When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. evening and welcome to the Chels. Good lord, it's a new season. What will Sari get up to? Oh no, he's gone. We've got Frankie, Frankie Lampard. And here to discuss this momentous occasion, this momentous season, is Mr Andy Saunders. How you doing? Okay. Yeah, I'm not bad, mate. How was your summer? It's been okay. Uh, yeah, you know, it's been fine. I've, you know, not really thought about football, which has been quite nice. I didn't really enjoy last season very much. And so it was quite nice to have a break from it, if I'm honest. Yeah, and uh, I presume you've been playing for the over-70s at uh, whatever county level and things. Cricket, I believe, yes? I play I play for the Hertfordshire over-50s, is, is what I do, and I have been playing a lot of cricket, yeah, which has been nice. It's a, it's a nice distraction, but obviously as we, as we kind of like move into the football season, the, the, two, uh, the two kind of um, pastimes will, will separate naturally, and you know, I think in about four or five weeks' time we'll be fully on the football. So, okay, I mean, in a weird way, it's really hard to have this sort of chat about what's happened in the summer having already had a game. And in a kind of way, maybe we should chat about the game and relate to everything. I mean, first off, how, how excited were you when suddenly Frank stood, stood up and was our manager? Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I, I think I've been very clear about this. I think it's, it's given us all a lift. I think after the sort of disappointing season that we've had, I mean, and, it, and it, we'll go back and we'll talk about the season. And it's very difficult to talk about a season in which we won the Europa League, disappointing and, and obviously qualify for the Champions League. But, you know, it, it felt like a disappointing season on a lot of levels. Um, so I think that Frank's appointment has given us given us all a lift. I have caveated that quite clearly with, I'm not sure how it's going to work out. I think his inexperience and his um, inability to, you know, to buy players and, you know, and a bunch of other factors may mitigate against him. But, you know, that's me being a, you know, that's me being on the negative side. On the positive side, you know, I think that he will get a lot of support from the fans because of who he is. I think they'll back him 100%. And I think he'll probably get a lot more leeway than, than bringing in a third party manager ever would yeah I, th- I think you're absolutely right I think what's interesting is that he understands the club the club obviously have found themselves in a strange position not being able to buy and I know it's been talked about in the press but I do get the feeling that quite possibly unless we lose every game 4-0 from now until sort of January um, his position must be fairly safe in regards that I doubt whether they'd have got a top Italian manager or a top whatever, any of the top 10 guys who are always linked to, to the job uh, coming when they can't buy anybody. So having seen what he's done at Derby, the idea must be that he will try and work with what he's got and try and pull through some of the younger players into the team. Now, that won't work with all of them, as we know. You know, it's a, it's a very small amount of young players who come through 
and can play for a top six side. But if anyone's got a chance of doing it, maybe it's Frank. So I think it's quite an exciting time. I, I think what you said about last season, I didn't enjoy last season. And I hope that this season, everyone goes in. I think you said to me on the phone the other day, you've got low or no expectations about this season. And actually, if you think about it, that's a very good place to be because it allows us to just see how it unfolds and the pressure hopefully is off the team in certain ways. Of course, we don't want to be in the position in the table we're in at the moment in a few months' time, although we are still above West Ham. But I just hope that, you know, we can enjoy this season and it can be a, a force for positive football. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, it, it, it's all well and good saying, you know, I have no low expectations or no expectations. And I do, you know, so I'm coming into the season with a sort of shrug of the shoulders and, and, and you know, and a um, a willingness to, to see where it goes. Whether I'll feel like that in three or four months time, if it's not going very well, is another matter. And I think I've said this as well about the fans. I don't think that Frank Lampard himself will get a lot of grief off the fans. I think that he's fairly bulletproof for all the reasons you said. You know, there's no ability to buy anybody, you know, as long as he's working with the youth and, and showing signs of progression. I think that there's there's every reason that the board will back him and that the fans will back him. I think the problem is that the players are going to get absolute pelters from the fans if it's not working. And, and, and that's already been evidenced by, you know, the weekend's performance against Manchester United already. Already there's a negativity towards the players. And I think when you've got a manager who's fairly bulletproof, the only way the frustration can come out is either towards the owner and the board or to the players. And that's what concerns me a little bit about this season is that if it doesn't work for any reason, and we'll come on, we'll talk about the game and whether we're positive or negative about it. If it doesn't work, then we could be in as, as toxic a situation as we were last year. Right. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting point. You know, you've already seen people pointing fingers after after Sunday. Well, we'll, we'll get on to it in a second. W were you sad to see Sarri go? No, not at all. I, you know, I think that he may yet prove himself to be a genius at Juventus. He may, he may, he may yet prove himself to be, you know, the the master tactician that none of us really saw. I think that. You know, he was given a, 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 a bit of a poison chalice to work with um, with us. I don't think he did himself any favours with his intransigence, you know, his, his inability or his unwillingness to, to change things and adapt. You know, that, you know, my way or the highway attitude, I think, got up everybody's nose in the end. Um, and, and so, no, to answer your question, I wasn't sad to see him go. I'm glad he left with a trophy. I think that that was, you know, that that's a, a fitting way to, you know, to, you know, to say goodbye. But, you know, frankly, I think he's probably better off in the Italian league. And I think his football probably suits that league better than it does ours. Uh, no, I think you're right. You know, I, and I, I agree with you totally. I'm glad he won something because he was trying to do something at, at Chelsea. It didn't work out in certain ways, but we still finished in the top four. We still won a trophy. We still got to another final. There's a lot that you could say on paper was great, but you and I and a lot of the fans will know it's not the kind of football that, that we wanted. And I, I guess... What kind of football do we want? We, we OK, well, what we want is probably strong, powerful, elegant play. I think we like a midfield that's robust, that takes the ball, that passes it on to the forwards, that, that takes no prisoners in a tackle. A bit like Kante can do in a slightly different way to, say, 
a Balak or, or, or an Essien. But, you know, the way that, that we win that ball, we, we're solid and, and we protect our defenders and the defenders protect the goalkeeper. And then when we attack, we play fluid football and, and really attack with power and intensity. Yeah, I think the muscularity of previous Chelsea teams is, was missing last year. You know, as you say, you mentioned some of those key players. Interestingly, some of those players now round and about the club, um, you know, certainly McAlealy and, 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 and others who are now part of the backroom staff, you know, who were part of a muscular Chelsea team who did dominate physically, um, you know, and, and, and create a fear factor amongst our opponents. You know, the Sarri type of football was a much more... I, you know, I guess it was a little bit more sophisticated um, and a little bit more flair based um, and passing based. And I think that that, you know, sort of um, contrast between, you know, a Mourinho muscular team and a Sarri flair team didn't really work. We didn't really see what the transition was and what it was trying to to do maybe we threw the baby out with the bathwater that was that was the problem with it and you know looking at the uh you know the, the performance on on saturday which will we'll come on uh, sorry sunday which we'll come on and talk about i think there's an interesting you know sort of observation to be made about that team and, and what its identity is or is going to be yeah I, I think that's true and I, I i think sari's team was all about finesse, and I don't think he had the team where it was. I think he was right when he said it would take him two to three years to create the side that he wanted. As it turns out, nobody seemed to enjoy the experience of, of the journey to get there. So, you know, it was goodbye, Maurizio. Thank you very much. We've tried something. Now we're trying something else again. So, I mean, let, let's get on to Sunday. Um, well, just finishing up, sorry, Kerry, just finishing up on, on the Sarri situation. You know, there was never a bond with the fans. There never felt any level of, of kinship with the fans. I mean, you could say for pretty much all of our previous managers, whether it was Mourinho, whether it was Conte, um, you know, certainly with Gus Hiddink and, and you know, and, and Ancelotti, there was a real sense that, you know, we're all in this together. Sarri always cut a very lone figure at Chelsea and never really, you know, or maybe wasn't allowed to create that bond with the fans. And, I don't know how much of that was down to him and how much that was down to us, but it never really sparked. So having a manager for whom we can, you know, we feel is it's going to be painful if we lose and it's going to be amazing if we win and he's going to share those experience with us. I think that's a, I think that can only be a good thing. Yeah, I, I think, uh, and the last point I'd make on Sarri is you felt very much as though he'd come to do a job for a club and you never felt like, he would ever be the kind of person who would, you know, pat the badge and say how much it meant to him. He was here taking his money, trying to do a job, which is no, no problem with that. But I just don't think he found a way to endear himself with the crowd. And who was the last manager that had that attitude? Um, well, let me see. Uh, Benitez? Well, yeah, you know, I mean, and that never worked either. You know, forget forget all the stuff that happened with the comments of, you know, about plastic flags and and all that stuff that you know that that, that frankly was you know massively overthought. I thought the problem with Benitez is it was clearly a stepping stone on his CV, and he made no attempt. And if a manager doesn't make an attempt to bond with the fans and to feel the fans' pain and to feel their joy, I don't think it's ever going to work. I, I genuinely don't think it will work. And so you know, again, going back to Lampard, that that certainly one tick in the positive column for him yeah no i'd agree and, and, and you know so frank 
He's had. We've had an interesting pre-season. It's felt like a pre-season. I haven't watched much of it, which I've kind of really enjoyed. Um, and I've caught up with the goals and highlights and things. But it feels as though he's exploring, he's experimenting. He's had a lot of injuries, really. You, you know, I can't remember the last time we went into a season with the amount of players still not fit, like Willian and Kante and Rudiger and Loftus-Cheek and Hudson-Odoi. I mean, there, there, straight away, there's five names, possibly all vying for a position in the first 11. So... I think he's been a bit hamstrung by that, and I think that's been quite a difficult start for him. Yeah, it's not it's not been great to be honest. And you know, I've yet to see you know either in preseason or you know in the game on Sunday quite what Frank's vision is. And maybe it's unrealistic to expect him to have one this early on without without the players being available for him. Um, but, you know, clearly there's work to be done strategically, I think, and 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 for him to imprint some level of identity on the team. Um, you know, Derby County were, you know, seen as a team that played on the front foot, the, you know, that were uh, a high-press team that got in and amongst the opposition and, you know, and created things. You know, maybe that's what he's trying to bring to Chelsea, but maybe he doesn't quite have the players to do that yet. Yeah, that, that may be true. I, I, look, it's, it, it was a, a big occasion. Um, it was one of those where it, it was a big game really too soon. You know, where are the, you know, Starting off with a nice game against Wigan or Norwich. No disrespect to them, but somewhere we can find our level, as it were. It was We were thrust into it. And um, I, I was intrigued at the side he picked. I, I still think for what he had, it was probably the best side. There were a couple of things I didn't agree with. Um, but at the same time, I understand that Frank is discovering things about his players. And... You know, I, I think, I, I don't know what you thought of it when you saw the team, but I, I was intrigued. OK, well, let's discuss the whole of that game and our thoughts on it uh, after this short break. So, Andy, um, for me, I was intrigued to see... OK, let's go through this. I was... I was intrigued to see how the defence would work. Um, you know, Azpilicueta, our stalwart captain, hasn't been quite the player this last year or so. So I was hoping he would step up to the plate at United and really lead by example. Um, interesting choice of Emerson is a, is a player who now is being thought of as the number one by Frank as well over Alonso. And then we had the pairing of Christensen and Zuma making his return. Mm. Yeah, listen, Azpi is an enigma at the moment. You know, he's, he's been such an incredible player for the club and for so many years, probably, you know, one of the best defenders in the world. Um, and for me, he's really, you know, sort of started to, to slide rather alarmingly on a number of levels. One of the problems, I think, is I don't think he's a leader. 
I genuinely don't think he's a leader. And and this lack of leadership is something we've come back to time and time again in 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 the last couple of years, really. You know, David Luiz leaving uh, to go to Arsenal, you know, cuts a, a level of leadership quality out. And in that back four, there are no leaders. Christensen's very young. Um, you know, Zuma, you know, also very young um, and, and not a leader. Emerson, clearly not. A, so where is it? Kepa's not it. And, and that really concerns me. And I think we saw that, you know, lack of leadership in the back four uh, on Saturday. And, and Asper, you've got to say, being the most senior player has to take a lot of that responsibility. Do you not think there may be similarities with how Ivanovic went and how his career kind of nosedived? I really hope this isn't true, by the way. I'm hoping that Aspi will get back on form and once Rudik is in, that takes the pressure off him. You've got a man who I think can probably lead that defence. Um, but do we think there are comparisons? Possibly, although I think one of the big problems with with Aspi was playing playing him in, in in a back three for so long, when he was clearly you know a right sided defender. I think he did okay in a back three, but um, it, you know he he's he's then had to switch out again into being a full back. He doesn't look like he has physical issues. He doesn't look like he's lacking ridiculous amounts of pace. It's his decision making that's the that's the issue. You know his his positional play, and I wonder if that's not quite kind of transitioning between back three and back four particularly well. I don't know. I'm just thinking aloud on that one. Yeah, no, it's, it's intriguing. Uh, it's, it's one, let's, let's hope it gets ironed out. But I thought what was very telling after the game, when Frank listed all the people that were injured and missing, and then he said, and Reese James as well, we've got him to come back. And yeah. he's going to be a very important player for this club. So there's obviously high hopes for Reese James. And it's, it's quite interesting. A player who's never played for Chelsea is already being bandied as one of the players we need to get back. But if Aspilicueta makes way for Reese, who's the captain? Well, I've, I think, my, my honest thinking is it will probably be Rudiger if he stays fit. Yeah, that's probably a good call. That's probably a good call. But, you know, I mean, I think Rudiger was a massive loss because, let's be honest, Kurt Zuma did not, by any stretch of the imagination, have a good game. <laughs> that's, oh, yeah, I mean, that's true. I, it's horrible because I, I don't want to go pointing fingers at players. I hate it, and I really hate it within the first game of the season. But yeah, me too. We, we had that moment before the penalty where he passed across the box and gave it to Martial. And you thought, oh my God, learn from that mistake. Just don't do anything like that again. And then within two minutes, he goes to ground against a man who he knows which way he's going to go. And you think, why have you done this? So, and, and I don't think it got better for him after that. I think that completely stuffed his confidence. And actually, I think it was a pass to Martial that probably set him on the decline. So I think Frank's yeah. got a lot of work to do with him. But yeah, I felt very sorry for him. Yeah, one of the one of the really interesting things about that pass across the eighteen yard box was you didn't see that last year. We was I mean, one thing you can say about Sarri is the playing out from the back was very, very good. You know, we very rarely gave the ball away playing out from the back. He drilled that back four into you know, those those patterns of play that allowed us to manoeuvre the ball out of the back. Kurt Zuma clearly isn't 
good enough to be able to do that. Yet he's trying to play that Sarri ball, moving the ball out from the back. And I wonder how much Frank had asked him to do that or whether, you know, that was a, a team tactic to try and move the ball out of defence. But clearly I think he lacks ball skills when it comes to, you know, playing intricate passages of play out from the back. So that that concerns me. And that could that can't have done anything but harm his confidence. The the penalty was absolutely ludicrous. It was ludicrous. And so much as I don't like to point fingers at players and individual player blame, that was just a dumb thing to do. And his day didn't get particularly better after that either. You know, he was, you know, he looked positionally off the pace. He looked he looked flustered. He didn't look comfortable on the ball. He didn't demonstrate the aerial dominance that presumably he's in for. You know, so I'm I'm slightly concerned about, you know, if he's gonna play in the back four, whether we have a player that's good enough to play for an elite team like Chelsea, or whether we basically have a Stoke cast off. Yeah. Okay, that's a little bit harsh, but you may be maybe... this is a guy that's been playing for Stoke, you know, for, for the last season and you know and has basically brought that level of play with him. It's Everton wasn't he last? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, but, yes. but, uh, but yeah, no, I agree with you. But, he played uh, Stoke, didn't he? Yeah, he did. did yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, but I, I think also, I think United were quite cute. They didn't really put the ball into the box aerially very much because they knew Zuma was good. They kept it on the ground in and around the box, and that that was what did for him. He doesn't yeah. like it there, you know. Um, and also, the other thing I was going to say, what we're already seeing in that one game is uh, last season when you were saying how good we were at playing out from the back. Well, at the very edge of the penalty area, you would have seen Jorginho last season. That didn't happen against United. He was further up the pitch. The defence had to work it out themselves and get it through to midfield. It was it was different. There was far yeah. more separation between the lines of defence, midfield and attack than we saw. We didn't play in a very compact fashion. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. You know, it, it, this is, I, I wonder whether whether Frank has the tactical sophistication to be able to figure that one out. And maybe that's going to take him a little bit of time about what he does with these particular players to move the ball, to transition the ball. Because I don't think the transitions generally were very good between defence and midfield and midfield and the, and the front two. I don't think it was, you know... Um, you know, it wasn't it, it wasn't amazing. So um, I think we that that's that's work that we have to do. You know, and you look at United and their transitions were very good. Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, it was it was an interesting game. Um, I thought Tammy's got a lot to learn, but if it have, if that shot had gone in and not hit the post, people would be talking about a wonder kid and go, oh my god, Chelsea, they've got this amazing striker. As it was, it didn't, and everyone goes on about his hold-up play and this, that and the other. You know, what confidence could come from a goal? An awful lot. But he does look as though he's got something about him, and he needs an amount of time to to get used to it. And I I think he will. Yeah, well, hopefully. You know, know, you're absolutely right if that... If that had gone in, that would have changed the tone and the momentum of the game completely. Um, I thought he demonstrated good hold-up play at times. But, you know, at at other times he was completely invisible and and wasn't a presence up front at all. And we always talk about, you know, how important presence is for strikers. Um, And in the Premier League, which is a big step up from the championship, you really do have to have presence, especially if you're playing, you know, sort of in in, in a kind of lone role. Um, And, you know, so, so, yeah, a lot of work to be done. 
if he gets a couple of goals, who knows? Maybe, maybe you know, people start to you know to fear him a little bit more. Um, you know, we hit the bar or hit the woodwork twice, didn't we? So. I also read that as well that we were the team. I think we hit the woodwork twenty-one times last season, the most, you know, the most in the entire season. So you know, we are the, we are the woodwork kings. Yeah, and you know, for me, Emerson was very close to being man of the match. I, th- I thought he had a great game. I've always liked Emerson. I, I think he's a, you know, I think he gives you, you know, an awful lot going forward. But he's probably more solid at the back than on Lonzo. Um, you know, I like his attitude. He's a heads down, get on with it. You know, professional player. I like him a lot. You know, and uh, so I didn't have any problem with him starting at the uh, on the left side of our defence. No, I, I agree. Um, and the other person who, I, I, you know, for me, Pedro had a very Pedro-like game. Very frustrating. Gave the ball away quite a bit. Um, and perhaps, I don't know, as one of the season pros, I expected a bit more from him. Um, but we can, we can also look at Mason Mount on the other end of the spectrum. I thought Mason Mount had a pretty good game, actually. Um, I thought yeah, it was interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting he was not the one substituted when the sub started happening. Well, look, two things there. Firstly, Pedro, I'm a big Pedro fan, as you know, and I think that Pedro's problem is sometimes that he overplays. And I think that he was trying to do too much, um, you know, as, as again, one of the senior players, trying to create things, trying to do too much. And you have to give him credit for that. However, how that manifested itself was was getting caught in possession and giving the ball away. And I think that's a product of overplaying. Um, and in some ways, I'd rather players overplayed than underplayed but there clearly has to be some kind of you know balance and 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 sense in, in involved in that and you know pedro did some great things and he did some really poor things um but pedro i think is you know was a remarkably a remarkably consistent player last year and again to kind of you know to damn him on the present on on, on the basis of one game you know this season would, would be you know unwise on on mason mount I've seen some real hyperbole about Mason Mount, about how incredible he was and how superb he was. I didn't think he was superb. I didn't think he was incredible. I thought he was promising. I think promising is the word that that I would use. I thought he didn't look particularly overwhelmed in the surroundings. I think he looks like a Premier League player. And I think that he... He's got an awful lot to offer, but I don't want to load a load of expectation on a young kid uh, in his first season in the Premier League. He was okay. He was good. You know, he was a solid presence in the midfield. I think you're right, and I think this is what Frank will want uh, to happen uh, as the season develops: is that he can take Mason Mount out quite happily, sit him down for two or three games, then bring him back in. And at the moment, he doesn't seem to have that option because of the injuries and what have you, when he gets people back fit, you can see what will happen. You'll have a, a little carousel of certain players that will play, then have a little time out, then come back in. And that is the way to do it with youngsters. I, I do think, you know, once we get players back from, from injury problems, we will stand a better chance. But on the whole, the, the, we, got, we got stuffed 4-0 and 4-0, but it didn't feel like a stuffing. There was a lot of it towards the end. Yeah, it did towards the end. Yeah, but that's when it was 4-0. I mean, one player we haven't mentioned is Pulisic. 
you know, who I think will be a really big player this season. You know, he's, you know, somebody that we don't know an awful lot about, but, you know, his background suggests that he can add really, you know, really interesting things to the team. He had a couple of good games in pre-season. You know, he's got goals in him. Um, I think that, you know, the big criticism of the Chelsea midfield is there's no goals or not enough goals. Um, you know, when Kante comes back in, there's no real goals there. So, you know, we really do, we really are reliant on, on Pulisic, William, you know, Tammy, um, Pedro, you know, and that, you know, sort of that front three, if you like, to, you know, to score the goals again. And, you know, that was a big frustration last season from a lot of our fans, including myself, about where are the goals from midfield? Maybe Kovacic will step up with a few this year. You know, maybe maybe Jorginho will, but you kind of know they won't. Yeah, I, I also think, look, once Kante comes back and gets in his rightful position, that midfield will change exponentially. I think it will be, in principle, that midfield will end up as Kante, Jorginho and Barkley stroke Mount. Well, you could say that Barkley or Mount, if they're playing well, may chip in with those kind of midfielder goals that we missed last season. Yeah, Barkley wasn't good, was he? No, he was a bit anonymous, actually. I, I, I think it didn't quite suit him. He ended up out on the left of midfield quite a lot. and I, Headless than anonymous, I but but I, I I like Ross Barkley. He's had a good preseason. I think he's got something about him. Uh, I just think that is probably Frank's hardest task is to get the midfield right so it connects defence and connects with the attack. Once he gets the midfield he's happy with and everyone's fit, then maybe we'll see something. So we'll see. But um, we should just quickly talk about we've got the weirdest game. Uh, coming up tomorrow night against Liverpool. I mean, well, the Liverpool in in the Super Cup, absolutely. Which is, if we lose, is of course a meaningless friendly, and if we win, is a major trophy. So it's a it's a no lose really. It's the European Charity Shield, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a, you know it's a meaningless friendly, you know, for you know uh, in a really irritating part of the season if we lose and if we win, major trophy and one that should be front and center of our trophy cabinet. Yeah, but it is one we don't want to lose, no matter what. Four or five nil to Liverpool, you can just no. you know you, we, we we want a performance there. I think. Yeah, I think get a performance. I I think that you know that the a neutral ground, you know. Uh, after after a bit of a spanking, I think Frank. One thing Frank will do is he'll get a performance out of that side. He'll get a reaction out of that side. Yeah, I think you're right. So um, yeah, I'm sure that there's a lot of people going over to Istanbul. I mean, that's the other thing. What a weird scenario! Liverpool and Chelsea fans in Istanbul for a Wednesday night out in summer. Yeah, well, of course that's a city that has huge. Um, you know, huge meaning for Liverpool fans. That's uh, the site of their, you know, miracle of Istanbul, isn't it? So, you know, so so we we do have that to contend with as well. But you know, any game between Chelsea and Liverpool is is you know is is heightened. So you know, we'll, we'll see we'll see tomorrow evening. I'm not I'm not that interested in it. My focus is on Sunday and Leicester, frankly. So yeah, I mean, it's is it going to be a? This is interesting, isn't it? Is it going to be like a party atmosphere welcoming Frank back? Is it going to be insane? No. <laughs> I think it will be 
upbeat and i think that there'll be a lot i mean and by all accounts i wasn't at old trafford but by all accounts his name was sung solidly throughout the game and there was a positive atmosphere despite the result and so we have to absolutely give credit to our fans for that um i think at the bridge i think there will be a pre-match moment of frank's back and we'll all you know we'll all stand up and applaud him and sing his name and then it'll be down to business for 90 minutes i don't I don't think it'll be a party atmosphere for 90 minutes because the focus will be on the 22 players on the pitch trying to, you know, trying to come back and show a reaction from a bad defeat in Manchester. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's... it's and hopefully, hopefully not a bad defeat in, in Istanbul as well because that really would put a damper on the, on the party. Yeah, but we all know once we can kickstart our season, get our first win, Everything changes, so it is a very, very important game, I think, against Leicester. Yeah, we are unbelievably fickle as fans, you know. Me, me you know, and I, I absolutely include myself in this one win, and I'll be like, We're going to win the treble, you know, it's going to be amazing. Frank is the new managerial genius, he's setting the template for managers for the next 20 years, you know. That'll only take one win for me, you know, uh, you know, and look at this incredible young team that are, you know, that are, you know, sort of blazing a trail through English football. You know, if we lose, it'll ruin my week. Like, like every Chelsea fan, you know, we're just, we're very fickle. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But um, all we can do, my, my theory is I just want to see the performance. You want to see an evolution from last week, however it comes, you know, that maybe someone gets changed, something happens positionally. It's, uh, it's an exciting time, I think. Um, I agree with you that we're oh, fickle. Eh? I hope it's cold and raining. I don't like going to football matches when it's kind of warm. I don't like the football matches this time of year when you go in your T-shirt. I don't like it. It doesn't feel like football. I want it to be miserable weather-wise. I think that will suit us better. That really reflects your personality, doesn't it? (laughs) 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 Well, okay. We're at that stage now where we've got to go for prediction time. So your prediction for Liverpool, please. I think it'll be a uh, very tight game. I think probably a draw in normal time. Um, we will win on penalties. Okay, I- I'm going to go for a uh, two-all draw. No, I'm not. I'm, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go for a one-nil Chelsea win. There you go. Yeah, Tammy Abraham. Excellent. Sixty-yard screamer. To kickstart his 30-goal season. Exactly. And then he gets his second and third in the 2-0 win at home against Leicester. Excellent. I'm going to go for a win against Leicester. I, I'm, I, I'm tempted by 2-0, but I'm going to be more ambitious to say 3-0. I think there'll be a real reaction. I think it'll be a, a buzzing and fizzing performance from Chelsea, and we'll, we'll just overwhelm them. I hope you're right. Well, let's see what happens. It's amazing that at this stage of the season, we've got two games to look forward to. And let's hope that next week we're talking about what a wonderful week this has turned out to be. Nice to see you, Andy. And uh, look forward to catching up with you after Liverpool and Leicester. Take it easy. See you later, everyone. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network.